0: Super excited about this podcast. Super excited about life. Why? Let me tell you. First of all, let's start with why I'm super excited about life COVID free. That's right. After quarantine for weeks of what felt like was never ending staying at home and not going to work, tested negative. That's right. Negative test results back. And so I am back to work, which is another reason I'm excited about life because. This weekend, headed to Salt Lake City, Utah with the PBR. So if you're around the Salt Lake area, make sure you hit me up. Looking forward to seeing a lot of friends and a lot of uh, a lot of folks around Salt Lake. So first time I've been on a plane in a while, a little bit nervous. But anyways, um, super excited about this podcast because it's crazy how the world works. A couple of reasons. One is... My guest this week is a young lady by the name of Jenna Smith. I know a lot of you will probably know her from being a barrel racer or, you know, her podcast, but I've known Jenna. We've been friends for a very long time. She's actually the person to blame. I mean, the reason that Megan and I ended up together. You'll hear that story on the podcast as we get into that conversation a little bit later on. Um... But a big reason I'm excited about this is because this podcast was actually recorded with me and Megan being here in Delaware, Oklahoma, and Jenna is in Afghanistan, which I think is super, super awesome. So we uh, we set up a Zoom call. We got to Zoom her while she was in Afghanistan. We recorded the podcast. We had a couple of technical issues. Um, you'll hear us talk about that a little bit. Obviously, there's a, a huge time delay, but we actually had power go out in the middle of our podcast here in Oklahoma so you guys will hear the whole you know the whole wild mess that it is during the course of this podcast but i do think the audio levels are good i think you'll be able to uh, really enjoy this conversation jenna is she's a barrel racer she's a podcast host she's an entrepreneur she is now an author she's a potential future matchmaker uh, what else? I don't know. She's the CEO of the Big Horse Mafia, I guess. So, um, she's just a very, very interesting, unique, and very cool human being. So, really glad we got to do this. Really glad you are listening. If you haven't already, make sure you hit the subscribe button, drop us a rating, and and give us a couple of comments and reviews because that is what helps us climb the podcast ladder, and that is what we are looking to do to get the word spread a little bit more out there. So, anyways, um, again. Thank you guys for listening. Huge thanks to Jenna for taking time out of her day, morning, night, whatever it was while she was in Afghanistan to sit down and do this with us. So let's get to it. Here's the conversation with Jenna Smeet.
1: Do, re, mi, fa, sol, Okay, ready.
0: <laughs> you ready? Yeah. Okay, so I got to be honest with you. Um, I shaved my chest and still had coronavirus. <laughs>
1: Good for you. It was worth the shot. What's that about?
0: <laughs> like you told me that was the cure all. I mean, didn't you say it worked well, for you?
1: If,
2: well, if, <laughs> hey, if you said case, I don't
1: know how I got Corona in the first place. You <laughs> know, I, I try to keep a hairless chest, regardless of of the pandemic that's happening in the world. Just like a personal policy. But I thought you would benefit also from adopting that. But
2: let's ask Megan, because I feel like it pertains mostly to Megan. <laughs> Well, because of the whole Corona thing, I haven't even been like this is the closest we've been, so I haven't really, <laughs> really fully got to enjoy the whole hairless. Chest. And let me
0: tell you something: we're only in the same room right now because I've quarantined for over two weeks now, and so um, I don't have symptoms. I feel good, uh, so yeah, we're in the same room again. It's it, I'm sure she's been okay with us having to quarantine and different.
2: He but... sleeps on the couch and the floor in the other room. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a Corona thing or
1: that's just like when he acts up? It's, well, it's both.
0: pretty much all the time. Um, <laughs> let's start with this. As you drink your coffee, I can see that it is dark there. Where are you?
1: So I am sitting on top of a connex box in the middle of Bagram, Afghanistan, which is pretty central, just north of the Hindu Kush mountains. I don't know if you can see those behind me, but as the sun comes up, you'll get a little silhouette and through the dusty haze and smoke in the air, it's actually kind of pretty. So I'm over here 60 days at a time. It's part of my job. Uh, I rotate out here and then I rotate back home for 60 and 60.
0: I think is amazing. Um, for a couple of reasons. One, I don't think a lot of people truly understand what you do. I mean, I know I don't, but I think it's amazing that you, you were in the military.
1: Right, I was in the military for nine years, and I joined right out of high school, not really knowing what I was getting into. I had an older sister who had joined also, so that made it a little bit easier to transition because it is like a completely different world, and I got very fortunate to get into intel as a career field, Um, and then as my rodeo career progressed, I just decided that um, I wanted to pursue rodeo full-time, so I ended up getting out, and I did that for a couple of years until I decided... Time to get a job again. Let's be a big girl, be an adult, and all of my experience was in this world. So looking at the, I guess the situation over here today, there's about half and half contractors versus military. So there's several civilians doing the same thing as I used to do as an Air Force um, intel analyst. So I started looking into that as a career field, and they got me right back over here, and I actually get to fly now. So it's even a little bit cooler than what I used to do in the in the military, but. I really do enjoy it for, for what it is. And it allows me to rodeo while I'm home, of course. So.
0: Yeah. And and sorry, I'll, I'll apologize now for everybody listening. There's going to be times where I'm sure we're going to talk over each other just because I don't know if people realize Afghanistan's a long ways from Delaware, Oklahoma.
1: (laughs) Yes. And
2: there's a little bit of a lag. So sorry about that. If I cut you off, what what time is it there? Say again. What time is it over there?
1: It is 4.30 in the morning. So I start my day around midnight and I already went to the gym, had a little breakfast. And this is the sun that's coming up is when usually my crew kind of starts to go back inside So it gets really hot here and our gym situation is just in a tent. So I like to work out before I would fly so, that the, um, so it's not too hot.
0: Uh, Okay, you talk about your gym. I love it because you FaceTimed us the other night while you were on the treadmill. (laughs) And that looks like a place like, honestly, I would love to work out and you acted like it wasn't the uh, Gold's Gym Venice or like it wasn't the coolest (laughs) place in the world.
1: Well, it's not my favorite setup. It's really dusty and really dirty and, of course, super hot, but the only extracurricular activity for people to do out here is to work out, so there are several gyms across space, and we have one in our hangar that most of us use that are on my program, so usually it's not too busy during the day, but I like to go at night, like I said, and also at night, sometimes you'll see them park a plane in there, do some maintenance on the plane. So that kind of gives it a cool vibe, but it's definitely a lot more dusty than what you'd see in the States.
0: Okay. Well, I got to say, this is my, obviously my first podcast guest that's coming from Afghanistan. So <laughs> thanks for taking the time to do this. I appreciate it. Um, you bet. we've been friends a long time and I, I can kind of pinpoint, but I don't remember the year, like when we first met, but I d- we've been I friends do. a long time. You do?
1: Yeah, Elise Wade introduced us at her um, coronation party for, I think she was Miss Teen Rodeo Oklahoma or something like that. Mm -hmm. It was a coronation for sure. And you were the announcer.
0: Yeah. And so you've heard us say this several times that it's your fault Megan and I are actually together right now. And (laughs) you don't know that story. So... I'll kinda I'll kinda let Megan tell the story real quick.
2: So I like I followed you on social media and Which
0: by the way, she's one of the over one hundred thousand people that do or whatever. That's crazy to me. Did we just lose you? No. Oh no. We
2: just got to the good part.
0: We just got to the good stuff. Okay. Oh shoot. We knew this was kind of going to yeah. happen. We, we
2: It's she's in Afghanistan right now. Like this this happens. And
0: I think that a lot of people don't realize, you know, how unbelievably diverse she is as a human like and we're just kind of scratching the surface right now with, you know, her being in Afghanistan and still continuing to be so stinking productive. Okay, are you back?
1: I'm back. Sorry. <laughs> all
0: right. Uh I want to make sure we can hear you again. Yeah, okay. right, there you go.
1: Okay.
0: I um so we were talking about, you know, Megan was one of the like a 100,000 people that follow you, which is just crazy to me. Um did you think that that was ever going to be a thing?
1: Well, in the beginning definitely not, but it's been such a blessing and I think it's kind of grown as I've grown to handle that responsibility. Because of course, in the beginning, you don't really realize what an impact you can have on people just through showing them what you do every day, showing them the lessons you're learning, and really just showing people the story. So and that was part of what encouraged me to start sharing in the beginning was that you don't have to be an expert. People just want to know what you're going through. Just show them what step you're on. And they can resonate with that a lot better than somebody who's been there for 10 years, won several world championships. I mean, when I started sharing my journey, I had just got my horse Taz. So I was just figuring out how to ride again because I hadn't ridden a horse, at least at full barrel racing speed for eight years because I took such a break being in the military. So I had a lot to learn and just sharing that kind of gave me comfort in that people aren't judging me. They're just here, you know, just like a passenger, just like I am just trying to get better. So that's kind of what I have stuck with throughout my whole journey on social media is not trying to be an expert, but sharing what I've learned. And I think that along the way, other people have similar problems. And as soon as they fix those problems, we're all on to the next thing. So it's been really fun. And obviously today that's opened up so many doors for me. Like we're being able to speak you know, worlds away. And with, with my podcast and my reach, I've gotten to meet people in several different countries and learn from other people just through reaching out and connecting. So I love social media for what it's done for me, but it is such a, I mean, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with the platform.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I've seen little girls come up to you and just like think it's the coolest thing in the world just to be able to say hi to you. And I think that's amazing. I, I like I, I'm such a fan of people that use the platform or any platform for positivity. And I think you've done that. Um, but we can add love connection to <laughs> your resume through social media because I blame Instagram for all of this <laughs> in in several different reasons. She was one of the people that were following you. And look how good it turned out for her. That's
1: outstanding. And actually, this has happened before. So my younger brother met his girlfriend via my social media. So even though I've established myself as like a barrel racer, maybe I should just work into the like love connection space. Just, you know, connecting people (laughs) two for two so far.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Okay, so you got to tell the story, Meg.
2: So I was following you and... You'd like never ever posted pictures with dudes. Ever. ever. Still. And then <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then like I don't remember if it was Instagram or Snapchat. I don't know. But you posted a picture with Matt. And I was like, damn, she got a man and he's fine. I was like, hell yeah. You know? And so I'm like, wait, she has not posted any other pictures with him. Like what? Maybe that's not her man. So I started creeping and then I ended up on his page and started following him. And so the rest is history.
0: It's so funny because the, uh, the picture in question is when we went to what was the pageant? We were in Vegas. We happened to be in
1: Vegas. Oh, my gosh. How do you not know this? That was like the greatest day ever. That was the Miss USA pageant. Miss USA, it's a okay. very big deal. And I've followed that system like my whole life. So you just happen to have tickets, and I was there in Vegas for the PPR, and I'm like – pick me like it means so much to me i love i love that performance it was so cool to see it was but yes matt to answer your question the miss usa finals okay i get a phone call (laughs) and it's
0: like hey we're gonna take a little group of people over to miss usa um you guys are still gonna be in town whatever uh you might be able to take a friend and so i kind of threw it out there and i was like hey uh you got like less than 24 hours are you interested? Like, you're the one person in the world that I knew at the time that was like, <laughs> hell yeah. And even if I just give you my ticket, Absolutely. I knew you would be <laughs> all about it. And so somehow you found a dress. Somehow you got everything. And uh, we went. And then she starts creeping and thinks that we're a thing. Like, a lot of people <laughs> did because we road tripped back from Vegas. Um,
1: oh, that's right.
0: Yeah. the One of the most miserable road trips of my life. Why? You've never rode in a car for, like, a day and a half with That's
1: her. That's rude. A I don't you've live very much. I remember banging a bottle off your head, just pure boredom, probably in the middle of, like, New Mexico. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Uh, Same.
0: And so I wanted to do this podcast back then because at the time, everybody was like, are they dating? Are they dating? And I was like, no. But I wanted to do a podcast to say that just to use the platform because I was super selfish at the time. Um, but anyways, yeah, so that led to – her eventually like a year later sliding into my dms and anyways here we are
1: so basically what you're saying is you owe me big time uh i
0: yeah she owes you big time and i feel like you owe me an apology yeah.
2: no i think that we need to sit down and talk because this is what i got
0: yeah um no but anyways i i just thought that was awesome it was so it was so cool to like bring it full circle and, and i knew you knew everything nothing about why all that happened but anyways
1: I I remember asking you guys before and you said we have to wait we're gonna reveal on the podcast so yeah I guess now I know but that's so cool that it connects people in that way and I think that's just the power of social media in today's age and if you're not using it in that way you're at a serious disadvantage because I mean you can touch people in different countries all around the world and just connect in an instant and it didn't used to be like that at least when I when I started barrel racing it was not easy to get a hold of a coach it was online programs really weren't a thing so it's cool to see how much it's grown and you know professionally and personally right
0: well and and honestly as long like I'm a big believer and as long as you're using it for positivity like I feel like you're you're taking advantage of it I got a dog creeping in here right now I don't know if you can see but anyways um (laughs) it's crazy how it looks there now all of a sudden the sun's up it actually yeah the sun is
1: coming up and you could probably see there's some Helicopters back there in the background, and okay. some tents.
0: I don't want to get you kind of the
2: common theme around here, but
0: okay, all right. I don't, I don't want to get you in trouble. Did you hear what she said a minute
1: ago?
2: No, I said I'm gonna need you to get ordained. <laughs> to get what? Ordained back into the wedding. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> Absolutely like not.
1: Certificates away, right? Just a click on the internet, and yes. all of a sudden it's fine. Woohoo!
0: Didn't you just uh finish some kind of certification? Hang on. Before we get to that, let's go back to the coronavirus. I I took your advice, I shaved my chest, and I still had COVID. And
1: now you're cured. (laughs) But you were the
0: first person that I felt like actually documented a positive test result. And, And as soon as I got mine, I was like, Jenna has been keeping the world up to speed with what's happening with her. I want to do the same thing so that we can educate people so that we can help people. Let's go back to, Mm -hmm. uh, when you were here in the States.
1: So yeah, the news is so skewed. And if you just watch the news, your perception is completely off base, I think. So I wanted to bring my personal experience into that just to consider that amongst what they're saying on the yeah. news because everybody's affected differently of course and i only know how it affected me and the people around me and what my doctors have told me and i just realized how drastically different it is than what you see every day if you're just watching right. the news which i hate the news <laughs> so relevant obviously in what i do today i have to watch it but it is so much different and not only in the corona pandemic but also the war that we're fighting here so the way that things are reported is not always factual and i think when you can direct to the source, that's the best way. And when I made the decision to come out about it, it was obviously very scary because I didn't really know anyone who had said, yes, I have it other than maybe some mainstream celebrities, which we're not there yet. I mean, we do have a following, but it isn't so big that I don't read every single comment, read every message right. and see people out, out and about at rodeos that directly, like I directly know. So it's really scary, but ultimately I'm glad that I did it so that I could share you know, what it was like for me and also curb the spread if other people started feeling what I was feeling in the beginning, which was obviously the most dangerous. I didn't realize that I had it. And that is when I possibly infected the most people. For sure, my hauling partner, for sure, my sister, and maybe some people at work. But in the beginning for me, I was just really tired. And I try to go 9-0 all the time anyway. So I'm super busy. And at the time I was working in Oklahoma City, just flying some missions with the Air Force there. But I think one, one day that week, I drove to Texas twice in one day and worked six hours. I mean, I was going 9-0, um, but that's that just the pace that I keep. And usually I'm okay, but I just felt tired and run down. And eventually it got to a point where I literally couldn't get out of bed. And I knew it was more than just being right. tired. So that's kind of how it started for me. But was that similar in no, your experience? No, for me, uh,
0: like I felt great this entire time. I had one day and it was only like a half a day where I kind of had body aches. And it was about day four. Every time I'd get up, I felt, which which I have trouble with like my psoas being tight, my hip flexors being tight. Because you're so old. Getting, I'm getting, <laughs> look, I've been growing this beard out during quarantine and it is getting so, I don't need you to tell me it's getting so gray. I know.
2: Oh, can you oh, see it? See it. Okay. It's getting so
0: gray. <laughs> I, and yeah, I am getting old. But for me, we had a big <laughs> rainstorm here.
2: You can touch that up
1: in editing. No,
0: yeah, right. Um, I, I just We had a big rainstorm, and I kept thinking everything smelled like rain for the rest of the day. And then that evening, I realized everything does smell like rain, which smells like nothing at all right now. And then I started grabbing things and just going, yep, nope, that smells like rain. Nope, that's like it all smells exactly the same. Then I realized I wasn't smelling anything. I just had this in my nose. Yeah. And the next morning, I decided to stay home. The next morning, I was eating. And I was on like my second or third meal of the day. And I went, holy crap, I don't taste this. And now that I think about it, I didn't (laughs) taste my other food earlier. And then I went... Oh, crap. Well,
1: got the road. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and then I, I try to tell myself, nope, it's just sinuses that that I had like an angel and a devil on my shoulder. Yeah. And, and I would tell myself, no, nah, it's just sinuses and allergies. It's normal. But I'm still going to stay home just in case. And then when I got the test results, I knew I was going to test positive. But for me, it's just been taste, yeah. just been smell. I've felt a hundred percent like like I just want to keep going.
1: For me, in the beginning, I was feeling tired, but I was the same way. I didn't want to mentally commit to the thought that maybe I had COVID. And I thought, you know, as long as my chest doesn't feel wheezy or like I'm at a limited lung capacity, then I'm probably fine. And I didn't have a cough. But yeah, the taste and smell thing for me came a lot later. It was like day four and five. And that was after I had gotten tested because my work made me go get tested right away. I was so sick at the doctor, I could barely stand up. <laughs> so I, at that point, I knew without a test that most definitely I have corona. But um, the doctor asked me, "There, are you smelling normally and are you tasting normally? And I thought, well, that's kind of weird. I mean, I really haven't been hungry, but I didn't even know that was a symptom. And apparently that's one of the most telltale symptoms, which I never heard on the news. Of course, you just hear about the respirators and you know people dying. So I think it's a lot more close to the common cold than a lot of people think. And especially now the virus has mutated and there's so many different strains that you might have it, never even know. There's people on my program that got out here that had to be tested, of course, to get out here and they tested positive and never felt a single symptom, not even the taste or smell. So it's just kind of a wild deal. But I think the more people that come forward and share what their experience is, the better We can all kind of be equipped because obviously young people like us, not too serious, but I would hate to accidentally give it to my mom or somebody who's older.
0: The biggest thing for me was that, and it was all mental. It was the mental aspect of what I was going through. One, being quarantined and being here at the house by myself. But granted, like I live miles away from people. I can get out and go run down the highway or whatever. I've got all my my land back here. And so for me, quarantine is not bad. But you got a a negative test result while you were in the States, which allowed you to go back to work. (laughs) And then for me, that's where it really gets interesting.
1: Yeah. So they wanted to quarantine everyone in case you got the virus in route. So we held up in Dubai for a 14 day quarantine, but I tested positive while in quarantine. So I even got a further quarantine process going to an isolation hotel where I got tested every day and if you've never been tested before, they shove this little Q-tip looking thing up to your brain is what it feels like every day. And I swear I never got any better at it by day. Day 15, I was still just resisting and tearing up and and whatnot. But I finally did get a two negative tests in a row, 70 whatever hours and got to come over here. But that that quarantine was a true quarantine. They locked the hotel door. You could not leave. All that happened was they would deliver food three times a day. So Time out. That was Time out.
0: Did you say you got tested every day?
1: Every, every day. So
0: how many tests total do you think you've taken?
1: Over, probably over 30, I imagine, because when I was going through it in the U.S., I needed a negative test to come to Dubai. So I tested positive a couple times, and I just waited for the negative to get out here. I will
0: no longer bitch about having to take nine or 10 Oof. tests. Like I'm done.
1: I watched your story of you taking one. You took it way better than I did. I don't know if you had nicer nurses no. than I did, but I
0: specifically it asked, was awful. I asked one nurse her name after she was done just for the simple reason that I could call her by name. When I told her I hated her guts, it was so bad.
1: <laughs> um, those poor
0: people, they, they they've got a job to do and they make people miserable.
1: Yeah. The people testing us didn't speak much English, so they didn't care that I was cursing. They didn't know what was going on. Okay. So
0: you, <laughs> how long were you in Dubai?
1: Um, it ended up being around 17 days because you had to have a full 14 plus those days that I was positive in the beginning they just tacked that on to the front side. Yeah.
0: Oh my gosh. So stuck in a hotel room, uh, one of the interesting things that mm-hmm. I thought was was pretty hilarious is the cereal boxes.
1: Yeah. I don't know what their deal is with Kellogg's cornflakes. They think that we love them and they would bring one every single day, which in the beginning, of course, I turned my nose up to them. I'm like, "I'm not eating that plain cornflakes. Come on with some weird lukewarm milk. It's like a cream. I just wasn't going to do it. Um, but then midweek, I decided that was the most normal thing they brought. But either way, I stacked my boxes to get an accurate count of what day I was on because you just lose track of the days. Can't remember if it's Monday or Tuesday or what time it is. And then with the conversion back home, trying to talk to people back home, it's just like a quarantine haze.
0: So anyways, all that got done. You, you got your negative test. You moved on. You're at work. How are you feeling right now?
1: I feel fine. I've actually, it's been probably two months or so since I initially tested positive. And really, for me, it was only about a five day flu like symptom with, you know, body aches and whatever else. But after that, I felt fine the whole entire time. But they notified me in the US that you could test positive up to two months after if the test is so sensitive it picks up the dead antivirus or or whatever so or the antibodies that can also test for that so they said just good luck and based on the accuracy you're bound to test negative at some point if you keep
2: testing so
1: that gave me warm they said oh you could be completely over
0: and still test positive for six to eight weeks and i'm like oh that's really good for my financial situation right now
1: super inconvenient absolutely
0: anyways glad you're doing better glad that all that's over um, I thought it was cool because I feel like there was something that you did during quarantine that was super productive. Did you like do all your real estate stuff while you were in quarantine?
1: Well, coming out here to Afghanistan, I know that there's not going to be a whole lot else going on. So I picked projects that I want to accomplish. And it was last rotation that I decided I wanted to be a licensed realtor because my whole family is involved in real estate. We love to buy rental properties. and Right. Just having that license is like a ten to $20,000 difference if you can represent yourself in a deal. So I took all of the testing. It was like a 90-hour credit um, course last rotation. And then I tested right before I left. But what I was working on this time around, and I just did it all in quarantine, was separating my clothing line from my name. So it's American Cowgirl Clothing now rather than Jace Mink Apparel, which uh, from a marketing perspective it just says everything about the brand and the name it's relatable you don't have to know who I am it's just much better deal so that entailed building a whole new website getting twice as many designs as I had you know previously and just kind of taking off with that so it it did keep me busy but I'm telling you 24 hours in a little room It gets old quick. I've been using
0: the word hustler a lot in the last few weeks on the podcast because – and I I had this conversation (laughs) with a a buddy of mine, Click Thompson, talking about the word hustler. And sometimes it gets a negative connotation, but your whole life people tell you hustle, Mm -hmm. hustle, hustle. You have been, since I've known you, the epitome of hustler.
1: I mean, we all have the same 24 hours a day, which Beyonce has 24 hours a day. It's just how are you allocating your time and are you giving – people tasks that you're not the best at. So if I don't know Facebook marketing, Facebook ads, don't waste your time learning that just delegate. So I'm at that point where I can't do everything personally myself and I need to start delegating for the business to grow. And over the last, I think it's been five years now since I started my first company, which was Naughty Halters. I've learned so much as a business owner, which I mean, in the first year you just, it's like fire hose, but each year after, just incredible how much there is to know and as a responsible business owner you know putting those profits back into the business to allow it to keep growing so that's kind of why I still have a job over here I just want those businesses to prosper and be their own thing and and not have that support my rodeo addiction which is truly all I want to do with my life is just rodeo but as you know that's such an expensive sport to get into and I think if you have financial backing and a business mindset that you don't have to come from money to be successful. Well, and that's the
0: thing; those other avenues of financial, you know, income help fuel what you truly want to do. And I think that that, honestly, like that's true success for me is to be a, being able to do what you want to do with your life on a daily basis. We talk about business more than I think humans should, but we are constantly going <laughs> back and forth. Like she has her boutique online. You know, we both are now. In on the gym business, you know, we're doing the podcast, I'm still announcing like there's, there's a lot in our conversations with I mean, they might be two seconds, or they might be two hours of us just throwing ideas. And I think that's the only way to make things work.
1: Absolutely. And I think you have to surround yourself with people who have a similar mindset to be able to grow, to stretch your own thoughts and your beliefs and ask questions and continue to develop that muscle. It's just like in the gym, you know, if you constantly work at it, it's going to become stronger over time. Um, And that's why I love the podcast that you guys are doing. And that's kind of why I started my podcast so I can have intelligent conversations that really, get me to look at, you know, what do you want out of life? Are you going to have this nine to five job forever? How can you wake up in the morning and still love what you do being your own boss, but also managing, you know, your time because as a business owner, you know, you can work until sunup to sundown and not have it all done. So it's a balance of how do you gain that financial benefit with how do you enjoy what you're doing? And I think when you truly wake up and enjoy what you're doing, you don't work a day in your life, which that's how rodeo is for me. And anybody on the rodeo road can tell you you're waking up in it. You're going to sleep, thinking about it and you just eat, sleep, breathe that. So rodeo, not being financially. I, I mean, it's just a, it's a horrible sport when you explain it to people, how much money goes into it, how much time. So that to me is a hobby and you've got to figure out how logistically you can support that. And for me, business is it. I love business and I, I can work on that from the truck seat, from the trailer, from Afghanistan. I mean, let's go. It doesn't matter Me where too. you are. I
0: love it. And you, you bring up the podcast. You used your time in quarantine to kind of rebrand and relaunch the podcast, which as a friend, I'm super proud that you did that. I'm super excited for <laughs> it. You, It's it's changed a little bit from the beginning. You know, you you don't have your co-host. Yes. So.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for that encouragement. And that's kind of why, you know, your friend circle is so important because If you don't have somebody in your corner pushing you outside your comfort zone, you'll just stay there. And it's easy to look at people who are already successful with a huge podcast running 10 years and think, how the heck did they get there? But you've just got to start. And it's not going to be perfect in the beginning. And year to year, it's okay to change. It's okay to grow. And that's something that's, you know, kind of hard for me because I am a perfectionist. So I want to put out the finished product perfect when I start. But you know, being okay in the fact that it's still a journey and every year we're gonna get better, every podcast we're gonna get better, we're gonna improve our equipment, improve our questions and and just, you know, with with encouragement, just learn as we grow. And I think that's, you know, true in podcasting as it is barrel racing, as it is business. And don't let perfection be like the thief of opportunity I guess as the saying goes as dumb as it sounds it is very I, true.
0: I love that because like the idea of perfection has stole so many moments for me she'll tell you like I haven't wanted to do this like a video podcast I haven't wanted to do anything <laughs> until I got my studio finished and the way I wanted it and obviously like that ain't, that hasn't happened you know but <laughs> but I'm tired of putting things off myself and so I'm, I'm really glad you said that but um yeah and
1: yeah and And with that, like action is the biggest confidence builder. You can sit there and overthink it and have a list of things you want to do. But as soon as you take action, it feels so good. And that, you know, incremental progress over the term of a year can be huge. Like most people underestimate what they can get done in a year, but they underestimate what they can get done in five or 10, but you have to start. So people who have been doing it, you know, five years, of course, they're going to be They've learned the last five years, so just get started. And
0: people that listen to this podcast have heard me say this a million times already. I tell people in the gym, you know, set small goals because small goals will ultimately get you to the finish line where you want to be. You know, if you want to lose 20 pounds, let's work on losing the first five, you know. And once you get that done, then you're 25% of the way there. And So when you set those daily goals, you set those small goals, once you mark them off the list, what a sense of accomplishment that is. Like.
1: It feels good. Progress feels good. And over time, it's incredible. But one thing that that made me think of is not comparing your day one to somebody else's, you know, day 1000. And especially with social media and just the culture that we see online today, we're only showing our highlight reel. Usually we're seeing, you know, a perfect finished picture and just highlighting what we've done correctly. And it's easy to get discouraged if you start comparing. So that's why it's, it's good to just put those blinkers up, have people that'll push you in your corner and just, I don't know, but I love conversations like this. It gives me fired <laughs> me up. Me you. I don't know if it's the caffeine or you guys, but I'm, <laughs> no, ready I, I'm to the same today. way. And,
0: and at seven o'clock this morning, I was in the same mode one night. Like I was just, I was raring to go. I don't know why I was talking to myself. We were talking to each other and I was like, let's, let's go right now. Like let's do everything in life we could possibly do. Let's open five <laughs> more gyms. Let's, Let's start. I told her the other day, I was like, we need to start another podcast. And she was like, what? I was like, <laughs> what if we started a podcast? And it was both of us. and We started doing this. And it was like this. This is a whole nother lane that I want to get into. And I don't know. I'm just one of those people that's like, it's hard for me to stay. That
1: energy is so contagious, though. And once you start accomplishing things that you dreamed about one year or five years ago, it's like, what else can't right. I do? You know, the. The dream list gets bigger and the goal list gets bigger. And if you just apply that same recipe, you know, start today, have coaches, people who have anticipated the road before you to show you what's going to happen, help you over those roadblocks. Whatever you do, say it's podcast lane, apply that to barrel racing, apply that to business or whatever it is you want to do. And that's why I harp on coaching so much because you can literally turn decades into days if you just have somebody tell you how to do it. You don't have to figure it out yourself. You don't have to reinvent the wheel this is the recipe that i used go apply that prosper
0: (laughs) who do you think was your best coach
1: well i mean in podcasting i have to give a lot of credit to you but i mean in barrel racing over the course of my life i mean when i started it was my Mm -hmm. dad my mom and my dad and then as i got into college i think it's funny because i remember going to the college equestrian team and thinking this is so dumb that we have organized practices Like, you guys just need to go out and ride, figure out how to stay on. That was the first coach I had ever really truly been around, and I was mind-blown at how much I didn't know. That was my first coaching experience. And I feel bad for thinking less of people who sought help. But that was the culture that I grew up into. I mean, in ranching, you don't have an instructor out there telling you to put your heels down. You just go out and ride for 10 hours. So that was my real first taste. And then as I got into the military, I kind of let my rodeo dreams go – the wayside i was just moving all over the country and when i bought a new horse the people that i had around me were instrumental i bought a young colt off the track never trained a horse before in my life ridiculous probably mistake it ended up being (laughs) a blessing but i was dating a horse trainer at the time and i'm telling you that made my career i had steady eyes on me invested in my success we rode every single day and then when the time was right i quit my job to ride for him for free like a summer but that was instrumental having a coach over me every single day and then you know from barrel racers picking me up letting me go in their truck like Kimmy Wall like some of those girls who I rode with in the early stages changed the trajectory of my career immensely just through the fact that they already had been there they already knew it they're like enter these don't do this I mean you could go out there and figure that out take you five, 10 years, or they could just tell you. And then when the time was right, I started to give back and take in that coaching role myself. And that truly, I mean, it's one thing to hear the knowledge. It's a whole nother to tell it to somebody else. That's when you truly start to know it is when you start teaching someone else. So the first girl that I had with me on the road was Renee and she had just picked up barrel racing, just had a brand new horse, similar situation. Too old has to me, been rodeo but, Queens. Um, say that one more time.
0: Too old has been rodeo Queens
1: yes but i love rodeo queens they get a they get a bad rap but honestly rodeo queens are money i I agree. we have the training and like public speaking interviewing all sorts of stuff i love rodeo queens i can go i I was gonna say to that
0: point me too because i took up for rodeo queens a lot because i would hear people at rodeos you know say the typical things and i was like no those people like Their whole job is to be ambassadors for our industry. So if you're talking crap, shut the hell up. Go get out of the way because you're not doing anything to get out there and tell people about what we're doing. Thanks for the cameo, by the way. Just some random soldier walking behind you.
1: Yeah, I don't know. what This is a new area for me. I haven't been out here a whole lot, but I think you can kind of see the background.
0: It's crazy. See that little guy? Yeah. Yeah.
1: But yeah, I do love rodeo queens. And just like any stereotype, there is some truth to it. However, no one truly realizes what a rodeo queen does because they only see them for a moment in the arena. But that's just a sliver of the job. And to, to a rodeo queen's testament, like we get thrown on a horse that we've never been on before. Usually the stirrups are too long. And they're not the best horses. And then you have to go full blast with a flag in front of a crowd. So we're tested. Our riding ability is definitely tested, but... Um, that was something that ultimately helped me as a barrel racer, because you have to analyze horse immediately yeah. when you get on. So just knowing and reading um that situation is helpful. If you ever have to jump ride, you'll wish you got on a few more <laughs> <laughs> before that situation comes. And just last summer, I mean, Taz got hurt, and I had to jump on a horse, and go full speed at the uh, at the barrels. So, yeah probably have to have another one here in the making before too long. You said
0: something earlier that, you know, we actually talked about this morning and it was just kind of a quote that popped into my head. And I said, as humans have no idea, lights just went out. Uh, we're in the middle of a storm. And I think you just, I think we just lost you again, actually. So, um, but one of the things that Jenna said just a minute ago, she's going to love that photo right there. (laughs) um, Um, is that, Sometimes as prideful humans, one of the hardest things for us is to ask for help. And I think that sometimes that's something that we kind of, you know, we don't want to do as humans, but I think we have to do.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think guys are harder at it than girls. Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> absolutely. Uh, we lost Jenna again. We we lost a Zoom. which We lost
2: which power. We lost everything. We, we
0: knew was going to happen a couple of times. So... Let's stop right here, take a quick little break, and uh, hopefully we will come back with more from Jenna in a minute. Yeah. I did not think it would be us that caused the complete shutdown of this podcast.
1: Right? I was so worried about my Wi-Fi, and here you are in the middle of Oklahoma being the limiting factor. No big deal.
0: (laughs) Yeah. uh, Our entire power just shut down. Not just here, like in town, all through town, everybody's power just went off.
1: Well, hopefully it's not because you said something inappropriate. Now they've bugged your whole house and we've got monitors. I'm
0: sure it was a cover-up so so the government could, you know, release some kind of spy agent in my house. Because I've been starting to post a little bit more political, (laughs) so I'm sure. I actually, for the first time ever, had a comment um, rejected today. And all it was was, LOL, LOL. Thank you. I
1: saw that. What the hell?
0: Like i I don't get it.
1: They're on. I, don't know. The- I figured it was something with the child trafficking or something like that. cause they're being really ridiculous with the censorship on social media with that particular issue, Look, which really just, disgusts me, but that's the world that we're living in.
0: I just in. love America. Get off my case, man. Yeah. Like leave me alone. Let me read him a speech.
1: What are you doing? Yeah. Why Why would that be censored? What, what happened
0: to my, my freedom of speech, my freedom of religion? Like, uh, anyways, that's a whole nother podcast. Don't get me started. Look at her. She's already rolling her eyes.
1: Yeah. We don't have time to cover that. I
0: promise you. We don't have time to cover that, but I'm going to, and I'm going to very, very soon. Cause people keep, picking at me they keep poking me like we want to hear it we want to hear it so it's gonna happen someday anyways I want to get back to you uh when when the lights went out we were talking about your podcast coming back I think that's what we're what we're talking about but super glad um like what's your goal in that podcast or your why your purpose I guess
1: the podcast started because I actually took a job at Lone Star Track the racetrack in Arlington Texas And my whole reason for even having that job was just I wanted a place to run my horse that was close to where I lived. And you had to have a license to get on the track. So one thing led to another. All of a sudden, I was riding as an outrider about six days a week in the early morning. And through that experience, I learned how much different we are as a Western industry as compared to the racing industry. What they're feeding, what their exercise programs are, all the extra things that they're doing to those animals, to get them in top shape to run from A to B. Straight line.
0: Okay, that was her. I don't even want to edit this out. (laughs) I know. She just froze, and so um, we are back to kind of just looking at a blank screen right now. But I did just get a text (laughs) that said, Bless America. So um oh here we go <laughs> it's okay i'm getting really good at editing it's fine
1: i'm sorry so did you catch what i was saying at all or should i just restart um,
0: that i'll cut all this out just restart it
1: okay so I started the podcast through an experience that I had a couple of years ago. I ended up working at Lone Star Track, which is the horse racing track in Texas in Arlington. And through that experience, I was working there Monday through Friday exercising horses. And I learned how much different they do things than we do in the Western industry, specifically in barrel racing. And I was just blown away at the lengths and measures that they take to get those horses in tip top shape running from A to B. And I'm like, wow, could I apply some of these systems and processes to my personal program? Absolutely. And through that experience, my horse was in the best shape he's ever been in. We were crushing our personal records. We were winning a lot, just completely shattering what we had previously done. And it just was so eye-opening to me that I thought, this is just one little niche Mm -hmm. in the horse world. Imagine if I interviewed or got to know what was going on behind the scenes of dressage, Olympic jumping. I mean, there's so many different facets of the horse industry. We get super narrow minded or we don't look over the fence and see how other people are doing it and ask why. And I think for the rodeo industry and the horse industry to grow as a whole, we have to share that knowledge. So this is a way for me to selfishly learn for myself, but also spread that knowledge with my users um, and and get questions from them and try to lift our whole industry, you know, together as a whole, get better. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think you've seen it throughout history. The times are getting faster. Horses are getting stronger um, and more information is becoming available. But if we're not utilizing those resources and really sharing with the other greats, it's just going to take a lot longer for us to catch up. So if, if we can learn and borrow information from people who are doing it, you know, the best in the world, you know, we can take our own personal programs to a whole nother level. And in rodeo, you don't have a coach. Right. You're the coach. So your horse is going to be as fit as you tell him to be. And same thing with you. Nobody's going to tell you to eat right or to get in shape or or whatever so there's a lot of limiting factors in we're just not on a team so trying to bring that knowledge you know to the to the industry is basically my goal but it's opened my eyes so much and i've really taken an interest in liberty work and in all these other facets that i didn't even know about and that horsemanship and those skills certainly apply to barrel racing but it kind of gives me a bigger vision for the future as you know who is who is Jenna me what do you want to do with your life are you just a barrel racer and it's who multifaceted
0: <laughs> too because at the end of the day Everybody wants what's best for that horse, and they want that animal athlete to perform at its best and to have the best life it can possibly have. We don't always know the right answers. So if we're all working together, you know, the old saying that a high tide raises all ships, Um, it's so true. And I think that sometimes we forget that in society. Like if we ask questions from people that don't necessarily agree with everything we say, then that is the window of opportunity to learn. And if we're not learning, we're wasting time. Like I really believe if you're not spending, I say this all the time, every day is an opportunity to get better. And if you're wasting one of those days, you're wasting part of your life.
1: Absolutely. And I think the more, you learn the more you realize there is to learn so the more you learn
0: the more you realize there is to learn. i mean that's <laughs> exactly right like like the more willing to learn we are the better it is for everybody but anyways um i know that you're probably limited on time so i want to i want to keep going here i want to go back and talk about what what do you call yourself because would you be the the queen of the big horse mafia would you be the godmother of the big horse mafia like what do i refer to you as it just kind (laughs) of
1: oh that's hilarious i'm writing these things down because i hadn't thought of them yet but i love them but no the big horse mafia thing started a long time ago because i bought this giant horse it used to be a racehorse and in barrel racing it's kind of not that common to see a horse over 16 hands but I embrace it I love it I think he's you know a powerhouse and there's advantages and disadvantages but why not just embrace you know what what you're on yeah. and be proud of that
0: yeah absolutely
1: so that's how it started and you know the, the people with little horses wanted to say and so I've tried to kind of expand and and grow all of those terms but that's Really what started the clothing company is just the fact that I had a big horse and I wasn't ashamed. And I of that love practice. it because I,
0: I remember like the whole process, you getting Taz and talking about it and it was just like this big venture and, but the excitement and the opportunity that you, that you just showed, like you beamed excitement about, you know, taking this horse and being able to do some things with it. And I think that that, I think anytime we're passionate about something, excited about something, obviously, you know, it's going to breed some sort of success. And so anyways, I just think it's really cool. And I think that it's opened so many other doors for you. Uh, it opened another door. and I assume it opened this door because as of late, I keep seeing little nuggets about a book. So are we adding author to the list right now?
1: <laughs> so writing a book is actually the biggest undertaking that I've ever committed to. And I like to Say these things out in the open to hold myself accountable and also get people excited, but share with them the journey so writing a book in itself is been a two year process for me and over the course of two years when i 've set this intention, I think that i 've grown and i 've changed, and my views on things have also changed, which makes it difficult to nail it down and as an artist even as a horse trainer, you're never fully done with your, with your masterpiece, with your horse, you have never done riding, you have never done training, um, but like I do in many other areas of my life, I have a coach, we have a plan, and I'm, now it's just executing, so putting some of my stories on paper um, to share with my followers, and kind of expand, honestly, out of the rodeo and western industry, so one of my Big dreams that I haven't told a lot of people about is I would love to be a keynote speaker. I actually love being on stage. Growing up in the rodeo industry as rodeo queen, you know, sharing with the podcast—it's just kind of where I feel at home. And I think if we limit ourselves to a certain niche, we're missing out on a lot of other people that we can help. And as you know, as you've seen, I've gone through a lot of different experiences for my age—not only with rodeo but also with the military. I would just love to share those with people in hopes that. I can touch someone else on their journey and kind of help them through those struggles. So the feel of the book is personal development, peppered, of course, with my personal stories. But I'd love to give you a little quick spiel if we have time. It's called Enough. Um, There's four parts just to kind of give you a quick rundown. The first part is had enough. Um, So we all feel like at some point we cannot do, be, have, achieve enough in this lifetime, that feeling of scarcity. So we're not enough. Um, the second part is where you achieve that, that change, where you reach a threshold, you quit a job, break up with a boyfriend, um, you transform. So that's the had enough part. And then going into it further, the third part of the book um, is am enough, the realizing that it's not the goal, it's who you're becoming in pursuit. So just because you won a world championship or just because you, you know, mark something off on your bucket list, your journey's not over. And it truly doesn't matter that the thing that you receive for that journey is not what you're going to you know, take with you to the grave. It's who you're becoming. So settling into that uncertainty and just realizing that it's never going to be done. Um, and you're never going to get it wrong. Just continual. Um, and then the fourth part is not, or sorry, never enough. So you can never have enough good experiences, coaches, mentors, all the things that we do to create a full fulfilling life. Just talking about how you can really enjoy that journey. That's kind of my elevator speech, I guess. <laughs> Which this is actually the first time I've I've talked about it in that way. So yeah. it's kind of exciting. Well, I,
0: I saw you kind of dropping I dropping some little nuggets about it on social media. And, and I think that this is something that's kind of been brewing for years because I, I remember you were the person that turned me on to Lewis House. Um, and I love the level of positivity that that guy continues to put out. And it's funny that you say, you know, kind of one of your your big dreams, big goals. Let's do it. I mean, let's find a venue and let's go because I'm in hundred percent. Like that's something I've wanted to do. And you know, the Western sports foundation has invited me to talk to different groups that they've had and they'll bring in all these athletes for a little athlete, uh, basically an athlete seminar over three days and they've asked me to come in and speak to them, too, just about life experiences, about how yeah. to handle different things, about how to make the most of their opportunities. And the more that I do that, the more I find, like, I love that. I posted something on social media this morning, and Megan can tell you, I'm walking down the street, and these this thought just came flooding into my brain, and I was like, I got to get this out there. And I was like, first of all, proofread this and make sure I don't look like a dumbass. And and then let me hit, you know, let me hit publish because the world needs more of that. I don't care who you are, where you're from, what you're doing. The world needs more positivity and reassurance that it's okay to dream big. It's okay to want to do something that other people don't think is normal. It's okay to be the person that other people look at and go, look at that weirdo. Like I, I, the older I get, the more I want to be that weirdo that everybody else is making fun of because it means I'm doing something different.
1: Absolutely. And I kind of remember my mental state and, you know, just how I was when I was going through that turmoil. Like at the time you think it's just, that's the most important thing to you. Everybody in their life has some type of contrast or something that's going wrong. And that's the most important thing to them. And if you haven't woken up to the idea of personal development and you know the process i think that you and i and megan are kind of on the same page about the tony robbins lewis house all of those guys that that speak to this um you're just really missing out and so for me to relate to somebody like i was is truly my goal and life doesn't have to be so hard the first time you break up with someone it's just like your world is ending And it's the same thing. First time you lose a job or the first time you fail at a goal that you were fully committed to. Right. Did I lose you?
0: No, we're good.
1: Okay. It says connection unstable every now and then, but but for me to go back and just help myself in that moment, that's what I want to do for others because, you know, the world is just such a crazy place in this day and age that more people need to share their stories. More people need to share their process so that and ultimately, as corny as it sounds, that we can live a more fulfilled life.
0: But who cares if it sounds corny? Because I'm a <laughs> firm believer in in finding the positive in every negative thing that happens in your life. Everything. And and there's I, I constantly say there's so much positive in the world. Sometimes you just got to dig a little deeper and you got to go find it. But if you're going to find it, ultimately, you're going to live a better life. You're going to be happy. You're going to find success find that positive and build on it. Like stop being such a bitch and, and whining about all the things that are going wrong and, and find the things that are going right and build on that, you know?
1: Yeah. And Tony, Tony Robbins has a quote that I really resonate with. Life isn't happening to you. It's happening for you. And those situations yeah. where I just thought my world was crumbling, sometimes I couldn't even anticipate or imagine or dream the things that would come out of those situations that I just wish would go away, that I wish would work out the way that I was wanting. So I think, you know, what you seek, right. you will find, like if you are just in a poor mental state, you're going to get more of that. But if you lose your job and you look at it as, as an opportunity to grow and to push yourself and get outside of that comfort zone, that anything, it doesn't matter what's thrown at you, you're going to succeed just because of your yeah. mindset and because of your attitude.
0: Okay, Uh, before we jumped on earlier, Megan asked me, she said, What's something people don't know about Jenna? And I was like, I don't know because, like, (laughs) you know, I think most people know, obviously, the barrel racer side. I think they've started to learn that you were in the military. Um, People obviously know that you're an entrepreneur. Now they know that you're a podcast host, an author, Uh, you were a rodeo queen. Like, what's something (laughs) that we don't know?
1: I don't think a lot of people know that I'm absolutely obsessed and in love with dance. I grew up dancing, um, but that was something I kind of had to give up in pursuit of my rodeo goals. But if I couldn't rodeo or ride or do anything with horses anymore, it's been my biggest dream since I was so little to be like on Broadway or somehow dancing in New York as a ballet dancer. So every now and then I'll throw in some dance videos or like still try to take a hip hop or ballet class here and there, but that's not something that yes. I share with a lot of people. Because I'm, I'm here super for not this. College. I don't have I the want technique to, see to back it up. I just love it. But every now and then, you know, you'll you'll either see me at the club or see me you know, just dancing my way down the street.
0: <laughs> I wish I would have had a video on Megan when you, you started posting it in quarantine. She was so happy. like
1: she was, I was like,
2: so "Yes, I got it. I have ninety videos.
1: <laughs> yeah, and like the online thing, that's so great. You can bring it to your living room. Nobody's gonna judge you. I can replay it a thousand times. I can't remember the steps.
0: <laughs> I'm telling you, Megan, I will judge you. Don't even try it. I'm not scared. <laughs> she was so into it, man. that's that's so awesome. All right. so what's next?
1: Well, I think that the environment or the culture out here is changing a lot. So um, I don't know if this has hit the mainstream media yet or not, but we're going to be pulling out of Afghanistan as a whole very very soon. So of course that changes a lot for me as far as my job goes, Um, which is why it's always good to have a couple backup plans and be a well-rounded individual. I got my real estate license. So um, if there is no more work in my career field, that's probably what I will do between rodeos is sell real estate but um changing by the day especially with the election coming up i think we'll we'll know a lot more in the coming months but for now we're pretty well packing it in over here which i don't think a lot of people have quite realized yet in the u.s
0: well uh, okay so if you're going to be coming home soon first of all uh props to you for spending so much time trying to get over there (laughs) and go to
1: work oh my gosh just to find out that you're coming home i will even hear
2: (laughs)
0: Well, hey, like I know I speak on behalf of, of both of us and like everybody that is a fan. Like I'm excited for you to come home. I need you to do me a favor. Publicly promise me that when you come home, <laughs> we'll all sit down in the same room and uh we'll do a podcast together where we can just we can riff on everything we've talked about.
1: Deal. And I want to get in a weight session at your new gym because I heard you're going to pop one up in Tulsa, Oklahoma City.
0: Well, I don't know where, but
1: publicly declare it, may, and then we'll just make it happen. You know.
0: <laughs> I have so so like I have put it out there multiple times this year that that I've got to have that second gym open by the end of twenty twenty. Um,
1: I'll be again, home soon. Public so accountability. And there's nothing he, else he, he do needs a good real estate agent. Around, so I feel confident that I could hang with you guys.
0: <laughs> Dang it! I, I need a good real estate agent uh, to help me find property where I can do this second gym. So <laughs> get yeah. home and do that. All right. So, uh the the podcast is the Horsepower Podcast.
1: Yep. You can find it on Apple or iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen.
0: And the clothing is American, American cowgirl Apparel Girl clothing. American cowgirl clothing. Yep. American cowgirl clothing. Yeah, is the it A- dot com?
1: yeah, you know me.
0: <laughs> oh my god. Uh, what else is there? Um <laughs> American Cowgirl Clothing, The Horsepower Project. Uh, what What's the time frame on the book? Are you still just kind of well, in the middle of it? Or are you- I have
1: around 30,000 words, and a typical book for this kind of thing is 50,000. So it's really it's tough to say when it'll be done, and then as soon as it is done, it goes to editing, and that takes about as long. But I would hope by next year Christmas that it would be a great Christmas present, stocking stuffer, like relatively low cost that's my goal is to launch like sometime before Christmas and it's not going to be this year but hopefully 2021 Christmas 2021 cool
0: very cool something to look forward to Yep, you bet all right and I'm sure everybody in the world is following you on social media but just in case <laughs> just in case somebody doesn't what is
1: it it's Jenna Smink, S-M-E-E-N just my name so
0: <laughs> that's it short and sweet very original yeah
1: Really, there's not that many people with the last name Smink, so there's no problem finding (laughs) me.
0: Well, um, again, thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. I know uh, that it's a whole different world where you're at, but you're obviously, you're my first guest coming from Afghanistan, so thank
1: you. Well, awesome. It's fun to be your first. Thanks so much for having me. I love visiting with you guys, and I love being in this energy and this atmosphere, so definitely have a productive day.
0: Well, we're going to do it together when you get here, and uh, it'll be fun, right?
1: Rock and roll. I'm looking
0: forward to it. Okay. See you then.
1: All right, Thanks,
0: guys. Bye. Did you hear our dog fart in the middle of that?
2: <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> oh, my God. It was so loud.
0: It was so loud.